Well, the wait is over. Part two with Jason Ryder is here. We got quite a lot of pressure from you guys to release this really quickly. So we've done our best for you. Um, we've published it for you as soon as we can. We've had a lot of questions about the different things that we covered in part one. A lot of those questions are actually answered in this part two. So you're going to want to listen carefully if there was anything that you kind of wanted us to go into deeper detail with from part one. You may well be pleasantly surprised it will probably be covered in this second section. We jump in and out of bait. Um, a lot of it is about flavors, but we talk about other compounds as well. Jason starts by telling us you know, what he believes to be the two most powerful attractors that we can use. Um, and as well as that, Jason also goes into some of his experiences fishing abroad from France to America. So that's really interesting as well. Of course, this episode is brought to you by Carp Hunter Giveaways. If you don't know already, Carp Hunter Giveaways do fantastic prize draws to suit every budget, ranging from bobbins all the way up to bivvies and bite alarms. Go ahead, check them out on their social media, get involved with them. You can also visit their website on carphuntergiveaways.co.uk. They also give back to Phoenix Heroes, which is a charity which supports families and veterans suffering with PTSD. So it really is a great cause. Go ahead, check them out, and enjoy this episode of the Carp Angler Chronicles podcast. I mean, I, I would say probably the two most single most attractive things that you can give a carp on the face of the planet are vitamin c ascorbic acid mm. and citric acid yeah you know? i mean and if you do the tank test you'll see that for yourself i mean like at times um the fish will go crazy i mean they're both very very cheap things that you can use <clears throat> it's just it's just going on sort of our previous conversations that we've had and we've had with other people. Um, do you see vitamin C, so like ascorbic acid in itself, as attractive to carp, or do you see it as a means to sort of aid with protein digestion? No, hundred percent attractive in its own right, massively. Okay. Uh, I mean, the benefits are obviously there. I mean, so if you go back to Victorian times and we had dirty sewers and rats, and even before that, all bubonic plague and stuff. And, and like life expectancy was really low. So the two things in, in, in recent history that have increased the lifespan of human beings are one is sanitation and two, the use of vitamin C. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, no one has scurvy anymore today. Um, and and you'll be surprised how, how many different foodstuffs it gets put in because um, it can make such a massive difference to you. And, and I think the fish can see that difference. I think it is naturally attractive to them. Yeah, interesting, because like I say, we, we've had conversations with, with other people who sort of said there's, there's no, I guess, scientific um, evidence to, to suggest that, that vitamin C is attractive to themselves. I can't say I've ever sort of tank tested. I don't know if you have on your fish, Sam, um, ascorbic acid. Not but... ascorbic acid. I, I was, obviously, I've had it in baits. And I mean, God, I, I, back in the day when I was rolling loads of different baits, and me and you, Pete, we were rolling fucking loads a week. We would never dream of making a bait without um, selenovite or equivite, whichever we were using. Right. Yep. I mean, we, mm. we, you know, so, but no, to, sorry, mate, to answer your question, I've, I've never tested ascorbic acid on my fish. I can do so. I've got ascorbic acid mm. here. Um, years yeah. ago, I remember looking at Barocca because of its sort of its vitamin content and it had like citric acid. Um, 
And I always sort of wanted to play around with it, never did. And it's just entered my head there that um, actually on paper, like Barocca should be quite attractive to a carp. Yeah, I mean, so like, if you look at your own diet, um, you'll eat what you eat. But, you know, sometimes you'll just really fancy something. Do you know what I mean? And it might just think, like, fucking hell, I want, a, I want a proper dinner. You know, I just want to sit down and have like a load of vegetables and goodness or something. Um, you know, get away from the pizza. Um, and I, and I think, I think that was the whole point of the nutritional theory at the start is that you would inside a bay, you, you would cover all food groups and it would be something that was sustainable for life. Um, and I think, you know, over the years we've, we've gone further and further away from it. And I do think it's to do with the end user. You know, you, you can't see your bang for your buck if you like. Mm -hmm. That's it, and every every lake's different. You know, some some baits you fish on a certain lake, and it'll you'll do fantastic. Everything goes well, and then on other lakes, you sort of you struggle for a bite, and you mix it up. So, like you're saying, with the end user being the fish, it it's all sort of relative, I guess. It, it, it's yeah, and it 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 really you know as we said before, it's as much to do with how you fish your bait as what the bait is. Um, I mean. It's become really, really popular crumbing up now and smashing things up. Well, I think in my first book, there's a picture of me run on my driveway running over bags of boilies with my car. You know what I mean? That was like 15, <laughs> 15 years ago. You know what I mean? Such a crusher. There you go. There's 15 <laughs> That's kilo, a good idea to five be seconds. Yeah, double bag them, drive <laughs> over them a few times. Bang, there you go. You know, I mean, I, I went out to Texas in March um, and I started, I was shown how to use uh, the pack bait out there. Well, mm -hmm. Um, I sort of brought that recipe back and adapted it and I've been fishing that a bit this year you know um, using the porridge just as the binder and stuff but basically using boily crumb and like a few sort of uh, high strength additives in micro doses um, and little bits of oil and stuff um, and that's that's been really good for me as, as a different way of fishing you know mm -hmm. yeah and, uh, I'm mostly single hook boat fishing as well with, with just that with that one ball you know Mm -hmm. it's like it's a ground bait isn't it it's making a comeback almost it's, co it's coming into vogue again um so oh mate i mean if i if i if i was fishing in the winter right um how i'd like to i'd, I'd use a single hook bait uh, a wafter or something probably but i would also put over the top of it 20 liters of slop you know mm -hmm. ground up bait boily crumb just as much attraction as possible like literally make a, yeah. like a huge cloud but the only bit of digestible food is the one hook bait, but, you know, an entire bucket of stuff in there. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's working the swim. I mean, so uh, was it three or four years back, we had a bit, a little bit of a crayfish problem in the lake for one year. Um, and people were moaning, they were getting their hook baits chewed and stuff. Now I, I found it absolutely fantastic when I went over it. It was such a massive edge because people were just baiting up twice a day. You know, and literally after three hours, they had no bait in the swim. So on the work part is I was, every time I walk around the lake, I'd just catapult in four or five catapults from the bait, then do a bit of work, walk around four or five. And I just had fish in the swim all the time, you know, because bait was going in regularly. So you have to sort of work with nature. Um, if anyone's listening, the crayfish aren't a problem anymore, by the way. <laughs> I don't talk about crayfish. They're literally the bane. As a, as a, as a real bait enthusiast, they're the bane of my fucking life. I, I fish on the uh, Cotswold Water Park. Obviously, we've got tons of lakes here. Most of them rammed with crayfish. 
And um, it really takes away from what you want to do bait wise. Like it really, yeah. really, I mean, the, 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 the crayfish levels here are next level. Like you cannot get away with anything other than either a wooden ball or a, a very robust plastic bait. Yeah. Um, foam doesn't make it, you know, it, it's they're, they're very tough. Um, and yeah, you- I mean, different levels of problems on there. I mean, so, I mean, at one point I tried making a bait that was, um, it would work on water as well as Poisson Char in France, you know. Yeah, um, Sean spoke about that. He, well, he? no, he didn't okay. actually. He didn't speak about that, but I've read about that years ago. Sean Harrison, I'm sure he wrote about a bait um, or an ingredient or something like that that, that, that the Poisson Char didn't like. Does that ring a I bell think, to you? Yeah, I think the myth is that they don't like uh, rosehip isotonic. I think that's the myth. Yeah, I've heard that. I don't think it was rosehip he was writing about. But they yeah, there might there might be something. I mean, they're basically blind, you know. So on a sunny yeah. day, you can scoop them out with a landing net. So whatever you make, it has to have no sense of smell at all. I mean, so even if you're making like a cereal based boiling, you put egg in, and it smells of the egg. You know what I mean? And obviously, the, the more you take out of it, the less appealing it becomes to the carp as well. I mean, that that is a tough one. Um, I mean, I did once make a, a bait that was more or less bream proof, you know, um, which was quite a mad concept. Fucking hell. What, did, what, uh, yeah. what, was, what was, what carp liked it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I can't get that ingredient anymore. Um, I did do some research to try and find out what the components of it were. And I, I've got that filed away on my um, disc somewhere, but it's, it's not a project I need to go down. I mean, we, we fished this lake in France. We were potentially going to buy it. Um, and I had three rods out for three days. Um, and there was very few carp left in it, to be fair. And we didn't catch any. Um, but then I went, o- we, I went over to a different bait and caught a bream straight away. And we ended up having a bream match on a fourth rod. Um, and we had about 200 pound each over the course of a day. And yet the rods, carp rods out on this bait, you know, didn't have a single take off them. And then over the course of the year, I put it out on my database to, you know, probably about, I don't know, a thousand people, you know, as anyone caught a bream on this bait. And I did one single spot, uh, which was interesting. Are you, are you able to tell us what, what the ingredient is or what the compound is? It was, no, it was, um, it was a farm, farm shop product. Um, it, so the flavor, it was, I don't expect that was anything to do with it at all. It was Nash banana oil palatant and a maple flavour um, was the attractor. It was a bird food. Um, but Although I think there lies a story. I, I don't think they're keen on sunflower oil. So that's one possible dog. Um, I don't think bring like sunflower oil. But it was this one particular brand um, of animal feed product. Um, that I used to put in it. It was really, really good attractor. It smelled, um, it was a green powder. It smelled like vinegar, mm. you know, it was very, very acidic. Um, it was quite pungent and you could, you could just about smell it through the sweetness of the bait, you know, it was a really good attractor, but then it was, it was a little company, a little family run company and they stopped trading, you know, mm. which is, which is a killer blow really. You know, you find something good. Um, it's happened loads of times. Yeah, you you mentioned the uh, Nash banana oil palatant. Um, I used to use those oil palatants, which are 
they're called palatants as i understand it they're basically just flavors on an oil base so they 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 sort of repel the silt and i believe they they have more of a gustatory response to the carp and that's where they got the name from am i on the right track with that um yeah pretty much um i mean they're all every single one in in the line is it is a good product yeah um, definitely they're, um, they, that, they're not produced anymore are they are they not not by nash but catch it labs um you probably know him jason yeah. um the old boy in catch it terry, terry clark yeah was um he, he used to formulate for with gary bays didn't he yeah ter- terry used to um was i think he was the original um lab guy for nash yeah. And yeah. I'm not 100% sure, but I think he also invented the airball pop-up mix. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, I believe really? so. Um, I know a couple of other people might claim it, but I'm pretty sure Terry originally had the first idea. Have yeah. you looked at his? Um, have you looked at his current flavors at all, or not? Um, yeah, I still get a couple of things off the uh, off of Paul, who does it now. Yeah, um, yeah, they're good. They they tend to be. A lot, a lot, a lot weaker than than I used to use them, um, but then that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Because we're creating food items for fish health, you know, rather than something to carry around sniffing. So, yeah, you know, I, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. His you know? um, his his Scopex is pretty strong. Have you have you tried that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but again, you know, I mean, bitric acid is pretty strong. You know, yeah. that, that's the difference between um, English and American chocolate as well, is they put bioteric acid in their yeah. chocolate. Yeah. Um, and it gives it like that sickly taste, you know. Yeah. You, yeah. you either like it or you don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, we spoke about, uh, I think, last time I, when I was on the phone to you, we spoke about Mega Spice. Um, that... That that was some. I mean, I I wish I could get that now. Is that a flavor that you know much about the ins and outs of? The the, the um, it, it is it isn't. Um, and the main reason was because that I like the ultra spice, ultra spice. so much. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's one of the few that I I still actually have. Well, I, I've got ten liters actually of the original one. Um, all I need yeah. now is like five hundred bottles, you know, to pour it into, and I'll be minted, right? Um, but but I, I I could see no reason to change. Um, I'm, I'm the, I think Rod's statement at the time was that he could couldn't get one of the ingredients for the ultra spice anymore, which yeah. is why it changed. But I, I don't know how that holds up because I've got that recipe and I I could still make it and I can but, still make it virtually the same. I mean, yeah, as I remember, I mean. That was his main winter flavor, right? That that was his prized winter flavor, as as far as I'm aware. Yeah. So tell talk to me about the mega spice. Did it have um like a sort of an almondy note to it at all? Am I wrong? Uh, um, maybe. I think it had. Um, did it have fur furrow in, which is got a slight almond hint to it? Um. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's combat. It's called benzaldehyde. It's actually um, one of, one of the things that goes in like C four Semtex. So um, mm-hmm. you know, if if you're ever flying, it's probably not the best bait to take with you. Like you know, um, <laughs> <Snipped out. laughs> 
Yeah, it's <laughs> taken pro- probably. <laughs> I'm sure you could explain it away, but not before you had a couple of Heckler and Cox brands in you, your face. Do you know what? Sorry to interrupt. I've got to say this. With going back to the wasps and their, you know, chemo reception, um, me and Pete used to fish with someone called Mal- Malcolm, um, year fucking years ago in Cornwall, and his son was developing this like gun type thing where they would place a wasp in it um, and the wasp would sniff out. I can't remember whether it was drugs or explosives and it would, this gun that the one wasp was loaded into would, you know, read back and say, Oh, look, there's fucking whatever there. Um, Absolutely fucking incredible thing. So I didn't. No, I mean, insects play their part, right? I mean, so I mean, we used to go to football on a Saturday and within 10 minutes, the whole windscreen would be covered in dead insects. Um, I mean, you can do that journey now and and it, it doesn't happen. You know, they reckon that we've wiped out something like 60% of all insects in the last 20 years. Um, and whilst people think that's a good thing, unfortunately, it's not the mosquitoes, is it? Um, it's all part of the pollination and what the birds eat and the natural environment. Um which is part of the work DEFRA, I think, are doing to making the, you know, the anti-pesticide crops. Um, but yeah, if, if these animals—they're incredibly honed to their own environment, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you you might hate wasps, but I mean, literally, with with this additive, you would take the lid off it, and they would just appear out of nowhere. You know, you'd be inundated in the things. Talking of drink, I'm just going to grab another another bottle out of the fridge. One minute. Oh, you could have been doing that. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, what were we talking about? Ultra Spice, weren't we? Yeah. Obviously, you're an Ultra Spice man. I mean, is that one of the flavors that you feel you could recreate? Yeah, I've got I've got a fair fair reserve of it. I think actually, in all honesty, like a, uh, an old batch. Yeah, yeah. I've got at least ten liters of the original one. Uh, I've got two or three different copies that I, I've done from different places and different times. It's not something I even use at the moment either, because it just, it doesn't sort of sit right in what I'm, in what I'm doing. Um, but again, you know, every time, every now and then you just fancy a bit of reminisce, don't you? And you make up something and you think, Oh, that was all right. I used to see, well see two, two questions for you. Uh, and I'll ask them together. Cause I'll forget otherwise. I mean, A, would you, if it's an old batch of that flavor, would you trust that to be as effective as it once was? Uh, second question is, what, what, what do you mean when you say it doesn't fit into what you're doing? How doesn't it fit into it? Um, it's, it's, just, it's just a label that doesn't seem right for the bait. Um, so what the, the bait I'm currently working on really is sort of fishy. Um, now, there's no reason why you couldn't have a spicy, sweet yeah. bait flavour to it, um, but it, it's it's quite strong, and I, I I don't really. So it's the bait I'm currently doing is virtually organic. Okay, I mean I've got um, I've got half a mil of smoked salmon in it, um, and I've got half a mil of red liver oil in it, but they're just to give the end user some substance. Right, look, what's actually in that bait? Like, um, the additive is w- what I want the fish to sense and smell, you know? Mm. I don't really want them detecting anything else in it. 
Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So, so if you did want to roll a different bait and you wanted to to use the ultra spice, would you be confident in that that old batch, which must be God knows how many years old now? Um, I, I probably would use it, but the quick answer to the question is, if I had something better, that's the reason why I haven't used it already. Probably, right. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's it's an oil, you know. I mean you can you can stabilize oils by by putting things into them and blending them, and you you can do things with them. But you know that they they, they still do exercise. They still do go yeah. rancid. Yeah, 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 it's not fish oil, which is the worst. Well, hemp yeah. oil, you know, crikey, you know, what I mean, fresh hemp oil will, will change color literally within a yeah. week sometimes. Yeah. How old is that ultra spice that you've got? It's probably 25 years old. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. I've got... gonna, even if it hasn't gone rancid or oxidized, it will have denatured. You know, the different... I, I, might, I might have a look at it now we've talked about it um, yeah. because it's literally, uh, it's like the, the flavor archive um, is literally just a room like, full, of, full of smells <laughs> and bottles and shit. You know, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd probably surprise myself. With, with what's in there you know but it's not valuable to the public because it's not in the little bottles with like the yeah labels. yeah yeah so one, one of my friends he goes he's got a hobby he goes metal detecting and this guy he buys um he buys his coins off him and he melts them down and represses them so they look clean and you know mint. Uh, yeah. mm. um, so effectively it's cheating but if you carbon dated it, which no one's going to, but it's the authentic materials. It is from that time period, mm. you know. So I would, I would have to get um, lots of little labels made up and distress them. <laughs> <laughs> mate, I'll be honest, it ain't worth fuck all. Uh, just you give it to me, mate. I'll give you my address. Send it off to me. Honestly, I find it incredulous. I find it incredulous. You know what I mean? But. Um, Again, again, like we when we went over um, at the start of the year, we wasn't sure whether we were going to get turned back because mm. of the COVID. So I did like a little pack of paperwork saying I was going over for essential work and permission from the, the local mayor and all this sort of malarkey. Yeah. Um, but we hid our gear. You know, I had a little set of centuries. Mate had a little set of Hachi travel rods. And we hid it at the bottom. And no one, no one even asked. But that was our story. We was going over to do essential work. And he, Ian said, oh, you know, I can't wait to use these old Daiwa reels, you know, there'd be a trip down, you know, of nostalgia. I've not used them for 30 years. Um, and within a day, he was like, oh, my God, I can't stand this crap any longer. Yeah. You know, it's, doing, yeah. it's doing my nutting. Yeah. Um, but the market for it's insane. You know, people want it. Um, but, you know, there's a reason they made something new because it's better. Yeah. Yeah. And is is that your belief with flavors as well? I mean, that you obviously you were a big fan of the Ultra Spice, as were many many people. Do you feel that there's just better options out there in this day and age? Um, not necessarily. Um, you know, it's so from from a flavorist point of view. We're not talking fishing, so it, it depends what your application of that flavor is. You know, see, so you have to look at boiling points. Um, you have to look at acidity and things because it could be for anything, right? It could be for soups, it could be for cakes, it could be for drinks. Yeah. You know? um, so, so that was the origin of the industry, and we we've just bastardized it for our own needs, really. You know. Um, so, 
the industry is what it is. You know, we know how to make every type of smell, every type of taste uh, to whatever ingredients are permissible for any particular thing. Um, but they're not, I don't think they're ever going to be massive, huge edges, you know, really. So, I mean, someone told me a story this week about one of my, this guy rung me up and I had a chat with him like we're doing for like about an hour. Um, and he said, I feel really sorry, mate. I'm not going to buy any bait. Um, someone's just given me 50 kilos of your bait. And he, he told me the guy's name. And I said, what, is he not using it? And he said, no, no, no. He's just joined this um, new syndicate. And uh, everyone on there um, is using somebody else's bait. I don't know if it was Mainline or CC Moores or something. And he said, they're, they're, they've all got this idea that everyone will put the same bait in, you know, and it'll work better for them. Um, now, to me, that you're literally just chucking a straw in the hat and you're taking your share of whatever comes around. Yeah, yeah. You know? You're going to get the same results as everyone else, aren't you? Yeah, if you use the same bait as everyone, you're going to catch the same as everyone. Yeah. But even that's not true because the best anglers, the best locators, the best watercraft, they're still going to catch yeah. more yeah. that bigger share of them. Um, so it might be an edge for like a poor angler, you know, to, to, to dovetail onto someone else, but um, I, I don't see it as being any benefit to anyone other than that. Yeah. So, I mean, let, let, let's, I'm like harping on about the same point. I'm aware of that, but let's say I, I, you know, I love the, uh, the ultra spice. I really wanted to use it again. Obviously I can't buy it from Rod anymore. What would you say to someone like me who really wants to get their hands on that flavor? Should I just give up hope or, or do I look? No, no, I will I'd say that I, you know, I'm reluctant to say this because I, I, I've turned on my phone in the morning and I'll have shitloads of emails. But yeah, I mean, I, I've got a product that I'm happy that would do exactly for me what the original product did, and provide the same sort of results, you know. Um, smells exactly the same. But then going back to where we probably started this interview, it's the difference between having your mum shepherd's pie yeah. um, and my mate's mum shepherd's pie so so this this now sounds like i've rigged this up and we've planned it i really hadn't i had no idea you had such a product so you do you you sell a flavor which is basically a modern version of ultra spice is that right um i don't sell them no um they're sort of in, in my my friends call it my flavor museum right you know occasionally people ring up and say have you got this have you got that or you know what I mean? And to be honest, I don't even know half of what I've got. You know, it it needs sorting out. It needs a couple of days of being in there and, you know, throwing away stuff I don't want and rebottling and cleaning up and labelling and seeing what is actually there. But I know for a fact there's two or three versions of Ultra Spice, which are very, very similar, but spanning different decades, if you know what I mean. Right. How old your your youngest one? Um, probably a couple of years. Yeah, as, re hmm. as recent as recent as that. Yeah, and, and that's got all the same different ingredients that Rod's Ultra Spice has in it. it it's yeah. So this this was kind of the weird thing because I mean, like Rod, did, I remember him saying that um, he couldn't get one of the ingredients anymore. But I've got the original recipe and I've got two versions of the recipe, and they all look same just but different right. quantities of stuff if you know what i mean but basically mm. the same ingredients um I, I think 
you know, sometimes we do we do a bit of marketing, don't we? You know, what I mean, if you have a lot of one bait, you, yeah, you sort of, you yeah. might advertise that one and try and get rid of a right. bit and make space for something else. You know, or it might be that Rod himself just liked the new one better. You know, the mega he spice. Always, yeah, yeah. I mean, he 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 definitely said the mega spice was a better version. Mm. Um, I mean, but you know, at the time, like it was. I'm I'm probably going back to like when I was fishing in the UK um, and like I had a couple of winters fishing with the ultra spice and it, I was very, very happy with what I caught. And I would, I would chase, change, I would keep exactly the same label, but every single week I went, I would change something in the base mix yeah. so I could learn out more about the bait. I mean, in those days, I also I used to fish a little place in South from Walden um, with Lenny Middleton. Yeah. Yeah. Him, yeah. yeah. Um, and he was, he was a crazy dude. Um, he was blind as a bat. He couldn't even see his lead land on the lake. He used to turn his ear ninety degrees and listen for a plop. You know? <laughs> and like the yeah. resolution of the plop would tell him how far he was from the far margin or anything. Yeah. You know? yeah. He was the other way. He would always fish with chickpeas, um, mm. but he would piss around with his rigs all the time. And he used to do this thing with his film canister with a matchstick, and he would wind up this band in it, and it was like a self-striking rig. Um, and it was, um, it was, I, well, I, I'll tell you, what, I, I was talking to someone, I think it's in one of my books. I think it might have been Alan Taylor about it. Um, and then I sort of remembered that I had actually seen something similar um, on the bank with him. But he always, when he'd come round, like he, he used to just walk round and he'd always come on scrunch for Nurofen. He always had a headache, you know. Yeah. And I'd be talking to him for five minutes and he'd go, Is that you, Jay? And I was going, yeah, I'm the bloke who always gives you the Neuropen, mate. And I was like, oh, fucking hell. You know what I mean, he was, he was, how he even got there, I don't know, because it was in the middle of nowhere. You know what I mean? He must have driven there. Mm. <laughs> That's mad. Yeah, yeah but it was, but he, he was so in-depth with his rigs and he used to keep these notebooks of all these components and the tests and how many fish yeah. he caught on them. But his test medium was the chickpeas, you know, so yeah. that was the non-variable factor in the equation. And over those two winters, my non-variable uh, faction was uh, the ultra spice. You know what I mean? And then, yeah. like, I would knock one week. I would knock the casein down and maybe try try some ginger biscuits in there or something like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you use secret agent at all, Jace? Yeah, but it's it's one of those, isn't it? It's it's evil and it lingers. Mm. Um, and if it gets on your stuff. You know, what I mean, it stays there. I mean, there's a um, called Skatel. Have you heard of that? No, it's a, no I haven't. It's a, it's a little white powder, and it, it it smells of absolutely nothing at all. Um, but when you mix it with alcohol, it it's it, it it smells. It doesn't absolutely reek, but it smells. But it will not go away. You know, and and it gets sort of. If it gets on like on, on a phone case or something, ultimately you'll need to throw that phone case away because it will just drive you mad. You wow. know, um, it, it's just the most awful thing. I mean, it, it's um, used to use it to make up a thing called meat base, which was mm -hmm. um, the first step to a lot of the flavors that did um, just a horrible, horrible thing, you know. Mm. And that... Sorry. No, the, secret, the audio is uh, the audio is dropping out from someone. Okay. A little no, bit. 
Are you getting that, Pete, or not? It's fine, my end, to be honest. Is it? Mm. Fucking hell, it's my end then. All right, carry on, boys. Sorry. Yeah, no, uh, secret agents like that, isn't it? It's a pun. It's it's very pungent. Um, I mean, I, I think Gary Bays calls them permeators. You know, when you boil them, they fill all the space and air around you. You know, yeah. I mean, they'll fill the whole act. You'll be smelling it two days after you boiled it, sort of thing. Uh, Is that rich in um, TMA, the secret agent? Was it? Yeah, very possibly. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. an interesting ingredient, isn't it? Trimethylamine. Yeah. Um, well, a lot, a lot of the fish, um, fish flavors as well, yeah. also have trimethylamine in. Yeah. Um, and it's it, 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 it sort of, you know, that sort of rancid, yeah, nasty vinegary smell. But um, you can sort of pad it out, and you can make something with it. I mean. I, I once upon a time, this is an, another little story that um, there'll be in that book somewhere. Um, at Nash, we used to have a, a hot tap that didn't work. You know, it was just, it worked, but cold water came out of it. And the monster crab recipe necessitated for every tw 25 litres um, of flavour, you would have to have two litres of water to dissolve some of the powders. Um, now, I, I used to make up big batches. I couldn't see any point in making a 25-litre batch when I could make enough concentrate to make 100 litres. So this particular day, I was making concentrate for 100 litres of monster crab. Um, anyway, it was in the bucket, and it was sort of first thing in the morning. It was a, a carry-on job from the night before. I think I'd gone early to a dentist or something. And no one had told me that they had fixed the hot tap. Now, I, I, this, this bucket, I had a mark on it. Um, and I just used it for the monster crab. So I knew that I needed to fill the bucket up to that level for it to be the right amount. So anyway, I, I opened the tap up and this boiling water come out. Well, trimethylamine boils at 40 degrees, you know, yeah. and this sort of 60, 70 degree tap water went into the bucket, um, resulting oh in 100, 100 litres of monster crab completely over my head. Oh, shit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> So the, the tr you have to have it in because it's basically a gas, isn't it? The TMAO. Uh, you have to have it in an alcohol base, right? Yeah, you do, um, and you have to you have to have it in special storage as well, heat state yeah. storage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, the I mean, I think there's a lot of flavors that had the the TMA in uh, Solar Squid and Octopus. Um, I think I might be wrong here, so I might be making a fool of myself. But going back to the Nash Palatants, which we keep banging on about, we, me and Pete used to use those a lot. We we really rated those. I think these even the salmon had TMA in. Um, I don't know if you're involved in the the, the Palatants or not, but that was another really good flavor for me. The the salmon oil Palatant. Yeah, it was in the salmon, um, and was there a crustacean as well? Oh, I didn't use the crustacean if there was one. Crustacean, and it was also in uh, in the sweet corn extract, which then became the ease range, I think. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, really? But, but again, by nature, most of them higher pH flavours, right? Um, yeah. So if you, if you say like the tutti, tutti is incredibly low. I think it's maybe 1.5 or 2, something like that. I thought yeah. yeah, and the probably the other end of the 
No, I'm not sure about the monster grab squid and octopus. It's about eight, eight and a half pH, I think, nine pH. Yeah. Uh, I know someone gave me a monster crab at the show once, um, and they said, can you tell me what's in this? And I put a little bit on my tongue, and it, it virtually melted it. You know, um, there, there was, I think there was like a cod liver oil glug on the table or something, and I just picked it up and drank it because it was melting my tongue. Um, it was like cryoponic acid or something. It just went straight through me. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. So I'm, I'm... Ne- never, never try. If someone, I, I, I naturally taste things, you know, all ingredients. Now, if someone gives you a liquid, like just have a sniff and leave it at that, you know. Do you, do you know what? I, I've started getting bait from uh, Kenny Gates and yeah. you, you go in there and the amount of fucking things he makes me sniff and taste and, and uh, I leave there with like a numb face. He, you know, he's, he's absolutely mad on that stuff. But um, That's probably because he's got a passion for it though, you know. He, oh, he's got it. such a yeah. – he's amazing. He's got such a passion for it and uh, it's lovely to see. It, it, that's how it should be, isn't it? And obviously you're you're exactly the same. I mean, I'm, I'm the same. I, I, there's not much I hide, really. Um, like if I if I ever do do this book, you know, there's a there's a few things give away in there that mm. uh, you know people might be interested in. But um, yeah. we, we'll see. It depends on how my life pans out over the next sort of twelve months, really. You know. I hope you do it, mate. For selfish reasons, just so I want to read it. <laughs> I hope you do it. It would be good. It would, it would be great, mate. It would be well-received, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I say it's, you know, too many nights, really, or lots of night work and research. And, and the, the internet's a fantastic tool, you know, and I use everything else, LinkedIn and all different Alibaba and God knows what, you know, and all of those. And generally speaking, if, if you go around all the suppliers, you, you hear the same sort of names crop up occasionally, but um, it's very unusual you hear of some random bait company that's been on to anyone. Yeah. Um, I've wasted a lot, a lot, a lot of my life <laughs> in, pers- in pursuit of fishing ingredients, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned your book. When you mentioned it, I, I reached across to my uh, little shelf to my left. I've got your first book. I think it was your first book. It's the only book I've known you to do. Um, which is the only way is cart, which I'm guessing was a play on the words of the only way is Essex. Yeah, but, that was the yeah. last one actually. Um, I think it was 2012. So there was um, overseas carp adventure and carping journeys, um, which are sort of the same things. Really, a few chapters of mine and a few of my friends and a few of the people I know. And you know, it's mainly sort of a venue based. Um, I mean, this this thing is sort of it's quite personal, really. You know, it goes into the stories quite in depth, and like I say, the bait chapters. You know, it gives away a few little things, and you know, but just provokes people into thinking. Um, I mean, no one wants to be given all the answers, right? You don't want to be put it on a plate, but sometimes just chewing the fat and having these types of conversations with people. Um, I mean, I find when I'm fishing on the bait sessions with my mates we'll sort of work it out between us. You know what I mean? If we're not getting mm-hmm. any action, we'll sort of chew out a few scenarios and we'll, and we'll come up with something in the end, you know, but uh, they're all the little stories that make it right. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, if I'm reading a cart book, that's what I want. I like, I want those little anomalies, like the, the funny stories and the different mishaps. And I mean, it never ceases to amaze me how carp angling really 
it attracts characters, doesn't it? You know, yeah. it, it's, uh, I mean, anyone that spent a, a, a long time on the bank, we've all got these stories, you know, um, it's, uh, it never ceases to amaze. And th- those are the kind of books I like to read. You know, I, I don't want to read about the latest fucking rig and, and all that. Yeah, it's interesting to a point, but I, what really keeps me, you know, hanging on to every word is those stories of these different occurrences. And, and you know, that's that's a big part of carp angling to me, to be totally honest with you. Of course it is, you know, and, and you'll always look at it in a completely different way from how someone else views it as well. You know, the yeah. situation. Um, I mean you know, the fact that after sort of nearly 40 years of doing it, I'm still massively learning it. I mean, there's a little lake behind mine in France um, and it's it's about two and a half foot deep, literally at most, you know, um, and it's got, it's got fish in there to 60 pounds. Um, and you think there's barely enough water to cover them, but you, you can't hardly see them. Um, but they're so freaking hard to catch. I mean, I've virtually given up. Um, I mean, it would be a case of I'll, I'll walk out and I'll place my rig and I'll walk back over my line. I'll throw a bucket of slop all around it. All the fish will immediately go straight to the other end of the lake and then I'll give it another hour and then I'll, I'll cast two rods in there and spook them out from there back to where I was started. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, they they are wild creatures and, and they have like that natural spook factor. But the main thing is, you know, the water quality isn't that great. Um, the dissolved oxygen is very poor in the summer. Um, the, the temperatures, the water's very, very high. And I think they just go torpid. You know, they don't move around a lot, so they don't use a lot of energy and they don't need to eat a lot. Um, yeah. I mean, the, one, the ones I have hooked, you know, you just literally reel them in like bream. You know, they're very disappointing. Um, so for that reason alone, I stopped fishing it. But I've, I thought bait would be the massive game changer in there, you know, and, and it, it sort of just wasn't. Um, it's just that the conditions are net because it's so shallow. It's just never really right for fishing. You know, it, it sounds like bait should be the thing in theory. I mean, let's say we were to create the ultimate bait. Do you feel that the ultimate bait, you know, quote unquote would vary yeah. depend on the type of location, the stock, would you create a bait differently for older fish or, you know, a lower stock venue than you would for, for say, younger fish in a higher stock venue? Or um, I, I don't think so as such. Um, so on, on my lake particularly, you know, I've watched, I've watched the fish when the water's clear early season, you know, I've watched them and how they feed. And some of the old originals, they they sit very, very low to the bottom and they move very, very slowly and deliberately. Um, and in their case, I've, I've sort of lightened the bait. You know, I put a bit of wheat germ and a bit of soya isolate, um, you know, a bit of sodium castellate in it, something to make the bait almost all like wafters, you know. Mm. So the little suck will take it flying into their mouth and try and figure a better response. And it has, it has worked, you know. Um, I mean, I've, I've now caught most of the fish in my lake over five or six years, but the ones I desperately want um, are still some of the old originals, you know. But just they don't get caught a lot, you know, because they feed and move very slow and deliberately. I can't get it out of my system, you know what I mean? I Somewhere in me, there's this crazy desire to know how I can make things that are effective. 
Yeah, I think that goes with all bait guys as well. Do you know what I mean? It's we all tinker, and I, we, me and Sam say it all the time: is you're always sort of just striving for something new. It's part of the hunger, isn't it? The research, it's rewarding. Do you know what I mean? Like the research, yeah. the putting it together, and when you start catching a few fish, and especially in your position where you can celebrate the public and they're getting the benefits from it as well, it's kind of all part of that that, that sort of like buzz for you. Yeah, I mean, I did a newsletter today and I sent it out and it was it was all doom and gloom, you know, like we've shut the factory mm. for two weeks and I don't know what the score is. We're taking bait abroad and, you know, I'd like to give you good news about France and your lake bookings. Um, and one guy messaged me back and he said, Jay, here's some photos from last year. Beat my PB two or three times. Amazing bait. Thank you very much, mate. Really appreciate everything and, and all the input you put. And it, it's it's just like little touches like that just sort of give you a lift, you know, because you mm. think no one needed to do that. No one needed to take five minutes out of their day to write that email or, you know, say thank you. Um, and and it's sort of, you know, it gives you sort of like a big up buzz. You know what I mean? It does. Um, I mean, obviously, I love catching carp and, you know, I think I might have offended people by putting up how many pictures I put up this year. <laughs> you know, I think mm-hmm. people were trapped in their house and I've had just a crazy, crazy season. Mm-hmm. But I, I enjoy seeing other people succeed as well, you know. 100%, yeah. Con- contributing to that. So another way of looking at it with um, with tailoring baits, I think it's more important um, on the continent and I think it's more important with the other type of fish that you're or nuisances you're trying to combat in the swim, you know. So I think mm. as, as an angler, you need to have a think how your swim's going to look, you know, 10 minutes after you've cast out, what the picture's going to be like an hour after you've cast out, what the picture's going to look like 12 hours after you've cast out. Do you know what I mean? If you've got a swim where there's just a hook bait left in it and nothing's happening, you're yeah. literally waiting for a fish to pass, aren't you, right? So um, I, I'm all for trying to make things happen, whether that means that, you know, I put a bait boat out full of, like sloppy hemp powder and boily crumb, like with some lit- coloured liquid in it, um, you know, just to stir the water up and reinvigorate it. Yeah. Um, make make stuff happen. But I mean, on the continent, certainly, you know, lots of nuisance fish. You, you need you have to think, what am I going to have in looks like sloppy bait? What am I going to have in solid bait? How hard do the baits going to be? I think the UK is very similar in in the lakes and the way we fish. You know. Um, the continental anglers that I see now, you know, people like the Dutch, have sort of moved ahead of us because they're really adaptable. They can fish lakes, canals, rivers, any sort of scenario, you know. Mm. They have yeah. more diverse waters. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Do, do you, I mean, just to keep it on the theme of flavours, I mean, not that we need to do that at all. I don't know why I keep harping back to them. I guess I kind of see, you know, you, you as our opportunity to really get an insider's view of flavours because obviously you've done a lot of work with them, um, what with working between, you know, uh, Nash and, and obviously R.D. Campbell's. Um, do you look at, in, in terms of, you know, the time of the the, just to build on what you've just said, the time that the bait is out there, would you look at, combining different flavor bases so say like a glycerol base which is generally going to be slower leak off um 
than another base do you look at combining them to have a prolonged leak off or do you look at well okay i'm gonna fish a water where actually the bait's got to be out there for a long time so i'll get a slower leech off do, do you do do you go to that extent yeah. or not yeah um when i'm putting a bait together i i try and work out um like a, a schedule of attraction for it mm. um so i mean a lot of people would disagree that it's even possible but um, making a lowered acidic base mix um, through adding organic acids to it and having a flavour that that's going to physically expel. I mean, some people will say that it's impossible to do, but, you know, I'm pretty sure I've had some good results doing that sort of thing. Mm. Um, but I, as a rule, with any bait, I'm always trying to sort of open up the texture, um, get kick stuff out and kick attraction out of it and make it more digestible. Um, I mean, things like the essential oils and the powder, uh, powder flavours you can use to keep an inherent taste to the base mix if you haven't got one, you know. Um, it's, it's sort of like you don't want to end up two days in with something like a bit of soggy pasta on the bottom, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, fish meals to some extent will, will still have some flavour, although they might have some of the flavour from the bottom depending what you're fishing over. Um but you can also you can have sort of long, medium, and short-term attraction. Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly when when I make hook baits, I, I I do like three or four soaks and leakages, and yeah. Um, yeah, like with with the winter ones, I've been working on like coatings with these lipids and things. Um, I mean, but again, you have to put it in like an angling experience. So I mean, if you can be bothered to, um sitting there rolling paste balls and putting in paste. Now the attraction is going to come straight out of that. It's easily digestible, easily eatable. You know, you can have incredible results, but who, who can be bothered with it? Um, so I, I hijacked um, one of my mate's bookings over to Mulan to me this year in July. Um, and we had his two <clears throat> friends were on the other side and we were on the other side and it was, it was seriously hot, you know, I mean, it was touching 40 degrees. And, and the guys said to us one night, he said, mate, he said, you, you don't stop. I'm watching you. You know, swim, you're just, you're up and down, you're in the water, you're buckets, you're stirring and tipping and grinding. He said, just all day long, you don't stop what you're doing. And I, I said, bait, I'm just all the time yeah. prepping bait, messing around my bait, you know. And um, I think it would, people would be staggered how much bait I use at times. But it's it's everything, you know what I mean? It's flake maze, it's ground bait, it's um, it's particle, it's crush boil, it's whole boil, it's bits of pellet, all sorts. But, um, you know, I said, I think it's at the start, 10 times now I've caught more than a ton of fish. Now, if you go back to sort of Alan and Kevin's video, Shanty Cox, sort of um, year 2000 or something, people went, Jesus, you know what I mean? They've caught a ton of carp in a week, like big carp. That's just insane mm. um and now doing that in a week on my own and probably going to bed at night and not fishing it, it's it's crazy i mean it's where where can the sport go but you have to have those fish in front of you but you can't you can't catch them without bait you know all of those big catches have all been made on serious amounts of bait you know yeah 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 definitely i mean as far as this podcast goes not in the grand scheme of things, but as far as this podcast goes, obviously we're very well known for, for our hook baits and 
um, and focusing on on the attraction of that, which I feel is is very different from formulating um, a, a, a feed bait. Have you looked into hook bait formulation as a different entity almost to to general feed baits to optimize it? Because I think there's a lot of differences there that, that and you can capitalize on a lot. If you're making a bait that only needs to be sucked in once, you can do a lot more with it than you could with a bait that has to be eaten and mass. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've got a whole rucksack full of little tubs. Um, <laughs> some, some, some don't see the light of day. Like yeah. you know, to the bait we're using this year, it sat in my rucksack for two years. Um, now there's people call high attract hook baits, you know, hook baits with lots of flavoring. They're not necessarily the best attraction baits, but you know, they have their day and I'll make those with hundred percent flavor. I'll use egg replacer and 100% flavor. Wow. Uh, yeah, seriously. Um, but then, you know, if you, if you have a pair, if you open a packet of, fishy hook baits after a year the fish flavors disappear right they they just vanish um so that's 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 one thing um another thing might be a hook bait that's the opposite you know i mean it's a hard hook bait it's meant to represent it's one shade lighter than your bottom bait so it's meant to look like a washed out one and it might be something that you've designed to sit in the swim for two days um so yeah, tailoring hook baits definitely. Or you know, if I'm fishing a single hook bait, I want it to be the best possibly balanced wafter. You know, just the hook will just sink it. You know, over a load of slop. Um, but then it becomes an object rather than a bait. If you see what I mean. So yeah, yeah. To, so to go off on a tangent, we're getting into rig mechanics now. But you, you know, per, as you say, a perfectly wafting wafter um you get a big fish come in there and turn around a little bit that thing is freaking swinging around as as far as the the lead and hook length will, will let it does that worry you at all well if you watch them in the net when when you land them and it, and you've got something critical like that and and literally just watch it in the net and watch it just sucking and blowing and just seeing that thing flying up and down yeah and you think, Jesus Christ, you know what I mean? I could be using two table tennis balls and there'd be no problem in, in that going in, you know? And, and like I said, I'm, I'm not really one for rig mechanics, but that sort of just gives you an insight into how they can feed. Um, well, yeah, what I mean is, it, it, say a, a fish comes into the vicinity of your hook bait and it's a critically balanced wafter. It's not sucking in that bait for the moment, your bait it probably is, but mine it, mine it ain't. And so it's just around that hook bait. It's moving around. Obviously, it's displacing water around the hook bait. You got a little wafter. It's that that wafter's kicking around. It's all flinging up here, there, and everywhere. It's almost acting really, uh, you know, erratically compared to the other baits. You know, which waft up and then float down. Do you see what I mean or not? Well, like I guess um, my my type of fishing is different from most people, and that it's. It's mostly session angling. Um, so the sessions become shorter when I've been doing work parties on my lake, but even they'll be three days. But generally speaking, they're a week. Um, going forward, I want to start doing longer sessions. I want to start doing two and three weeks away at places. But my, my fishing is basically putting a food source, a decent bait in the swim, 
feeding them, getting used to catching them. By day four and five, I want to have the peak of my action. And then day six and seven, I want to be start drying the swim up and maximizing takes and catching all the fish that have been in the feed, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Now, at the, st- at the start of that session, it might mean, again, you've got a fish somewhere where there's enough fish to eat the amount of bait you're putting in. But if I'm getting there and I'm putting in, let's say I'm putting in 30 kilo to start with, right? So let's say I'm putting 30 kilo boilies in, 20 kilos a particle, 20 kilos of ground bait. So 100 kilos of bait roughly the first day. Now, it'll seem like a massive amount to some people. Um, and I, I don't expect to be catching too much the first two days because I want them. I don't want to catch that many because I want the maximum amount of fish to come in and feel comfortable eating in my swim. And I'll start with a wider area and I'll make it a smaller area if I can. But also the first couple of days, I want to use like a higher track bait or something um, that's going to perhaps get me an extra bite. You know what I mean? Put a couple of extra fish in the bag. But then by day three, I want to be on the bait I'm feeding because they're going to be eating it. Um, And I do like the culture type of baits, you know, Um, skinning up baits. Um, with with like a, a coating of soluble proteins, vitamins and things, and fishing that as a higher tract. Um, and that literally is just to pick up bonus bites for those first couple of days. My fishing is all about feeding them. You know what I mean? Building a catch. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm probably not selective in catching the biggest fish in the lake. Um, I think I had this conversation with Steve. Steve said, you know, you're never, ever going to catch the biggest fish by catching the most fish. And that's obviously true. Um, you know, they've got, they, they're the oldest fish. They're the biggest fish. They've got there by design. They've seen a lot. You know, if they see fish being pulled out by three ounce leads, then they're probably going to back off. So a lot of that's right. But I just love catching fish. You know, that, that's that's in my nature um, to haul through them. But generally speaking, whenever I go away, my mates always catch the biggest ones. <laughs> yeah. But I, I reckon... I reckon 71.40s for seven weeks fishing isn't too bad. No, mate, it's fucking good. It, <laughs> it, it's it's good. I'm, I was more on about the presentation of the hook, baby. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, no, no, it's fucking good, um, mate. On it, you, you've... Uh, do you know what? I've never fished abroad. Not for carp, anyway. Um, I've never, never fancied it. But for you, you're obviously like, that is... That's your thing now, isn't it? You, you're very much an abroad angler, right? Yeah, but it's it's about all of it. It's about, you know, going there, yeah. finding, finding something different. Now, I, I don't want to be on a coach where everyone's no. drunk yeah. and shouting and yeah. screaming and drunk and spomming as the video goes. Um, you know, I like going off grid to places where you don't even know what's in there. You know, we fished like Lake Ontario, the biggest lake in the world. You know, we fished canals. We've gone down to rivers, fished off boats. Um, America is my next thing really getting yeah. out there more and exploring some of their big lakes. I've got yeah. a few con- few contacts out there now. They're not massive fish by anyone's standards, but, you know, they're beautiful, wild, uncaught fish in beautiful surroundings. Um, the, you know, the w- world's a big place, lots of places to go. Yeah, America's the, the place now, isn't it? It's I think a lot of the UK carpers, and especially like the bigger names, are sort of dialing into America, aren't they? There's, there's a fair bit of media now, isn't there? Well, the Buffs was awesome. Did that in March. Um, loved it. You know, the first mm. three days caught nothing. Um, it was, and then 
sort of I wanted to fish the way my friend was fishing with his pack bait and his sort of thing. And but then we, we sort of got together and we did a little bit of his thing and a little bit of my thing and we sort of worked it out and uh the conditions changed for the better. And, and we had some awesome buffs, you know, like up to the late record size. Um but it was great, you know, go down for six or seven hours fishing, then go out uh do a bit of shopping, go to a bar, then go out for some food and some entertainment in the evening. Just magic, mate. Just absolutely loved it, you know. The Mad p- creatures as well. They're, they're all like 70, 80 years old as well, those fish. Seriously? Oh, you see, I didn't yeah. realise that. Oh, mate, they're prehistoric. That. Someone analysed them. Um, and the place we was fishing, because it's a nuclear power station, it's got high security on and no night fishing. So the bow hunters and, you know, the poachers and that haven't been on there. But um, they, they took a couple away and analysed them and they reckon they were 70 to 80 years old. You know, which only made them more appealing as well. Mm. So that yeah, was wild. You see, see, so the buffaloes. I, I, I don't know what I mean. If I went over there and targeted them, I think, yeah, of course, it would do it for me. But sort of like watching it and seeing it, they don't sort of do it for me. But as as a young kid, like I've always sort of um, sort of grown up with game fishing and stuff, and um, fishing for predators and the bass fishing scene in America does it for me in a big way. I went to Florida probably four years ago now. Uh, it's one of my biggest regrets. I didn't do any sort of bass fishing over there when I was over, when I was there. Um, but yeah, the American fishing scene is getting real big and there's a lot of carpers sort of looking across the pond now. Well, we saw like a massive show of fish um, about four or 500 yards out and they look like real, real big fish. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was a big shoal, sort of 200 metres long. Um, and I, I thought they must be carp or buffalo. Um, and we, we talked to this guy and he went out and had a look. And they, they were what they call hybrid bass or striped bass. Mm-hmm. I think they're, they're quite like our sea bass. Um, and they're in the lake, they're in there till to 70 pound. Um, so, yeah, you could quite easily can be converted into to that. But, it, you know, in a massive, massive water, um, again, you know, locations, everything on that day, if we'd been fishing for them, we'd probably have caught them. Um, but yeah, that'd be a good challenge. Yeah, there's, there's a, I don't know where it is now. I want to, so, somewhere sort of in, in the southwest, there's a, a zoo or somewhere, and they've got some buffalo carp um, in sort of like a reptilian house or something along those lines. And you sort of walk over the bridge and you look down and I mean, these fish, I was looking at them thinking, Jesus Christ, like the proper sort of, you know, when you look at a fish and sort of like the cliche, like I could put a saddle on that kind of thing. I mean, they must've been like in, in a zoo, they must've been sort of 30, 40 pound. Like these, these things are massive. I don't know what sort of size you were catching them to. Well, we had, we had the late record out, um, which was 62, I think. Yeah. But, I mean, there, had, there has been a 70 since, but mm-hmm. um, got a funny story about fishing in a zoo in America. Um, basically, we, this, this was going back um, quite a few years. We found this hydro power station um, in, in Canada, and it, it, had lo- it was like a barrage. It had lots and lots of scaly mirrors in, which is yeah. obviously really unusual for Canada. Um, and it was it was really nice fishing there. You know, we had a lot of fish. Um, and then one day we were talking to these two lads. And they're, at the far end, there's a zoo. And you can walk out and you can put like a, a quarter in this machine, twist it, 
and the trout pellets fall through the floor, which is a glass floor, and you can see the carp sucking the pellets underneath. Anyway, we sort of found it was quite an amusing idea for one of these lads um, to strip off, um, break up a blood capsule in his mouth, and swim underneath the glass just as uh, a school load of children walked out on the glass. Um, well, we, we could hear it for about half a mile away. It, it just kicked off. It went mental. Um, and when the helicopters and the police frogmen and divers turned up, we, we, had, to, we had to confess to it. Um, and they, they, weren't, they weren't too pleased. But No, I can believe it. <laughs> but it, 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 was, it, was, it was as funny as, you know. It was, mm. and it, it's one of those things you'll always remember. Um, but also on that zoo with the bait theory still flashing round, um, we'd planned to go to America to meet this guy and I didn't want to leave this, this zoo because it was so good so we had about 30 kilo of bait and I persuaded my mate that we would sacrifice 20 of it and it was a good HMV bait and fire it in and then we would come back in three days time after we'd been to the States and fish there for the last two days mm-hmm. now if, if you ever want to know if bait can make a difference or the HMV theory does work I mean, this was on a virgin water where the fish were hungry and looking for food. My God, you know, we were casting it. When we come back, we was casting out four ounce leads and we were getting hookups before the lead even at the bottom. Um, right. I think using one rod, we had 96 fish between us in that day um, to 40 something. You know, wow. um, it, it was literally one a chuck. And, they, they, and the, the bait was just pulsing out of them. You know what I mean? They... They couldn't have been more on it, possibly, you know. Do you know what? So that was going to be one of my questions. Like when you were fishing, like you spoke earlier about fishing pack baits and stuff. And one of my questions was going to be to you, like, surely when you were fishing there, were you thinking sort of like, if I could just fish boily now and get them on it for a few days, like this would really sort of turn my turn my fortune kind of thing. Um, so was it was it boily, this HNV you're talking about? Is this like a like a local boilie is this your bait is this no that's 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 what we we'd taken over i mean we right. used to have this, we used to have this dodge where we'd go up with this massive um rucksack that weighed weighed about 60 or 70 pound mm-hmm. uh, but obviously it weighed 20 kilos for the purpose of the scales and then yeah. they would say to us you can't put the rucksack on the plane it has to go to outsized baggage so we'd walk mm-hmm. around the corner we'd stick fill it up with legs and bait and then we'd do it up and then we'd stick it on outside baggage with a stamp on saying 20 kilo. So that's, so that's how we used to always get it out there. And we'd have like four or five rucksacks. Yeah. Um, but it, it was different in America and you had to understand the ecosystem. So these, these lads were coming down with these cast net things and they were slinging them out and they were getting these fish. They look like sprats, but I think they're called shad. And it was, the net was full. So the lake was, absolutely rammed with these little silver fish and then at night um the chinese would come down to catch catfish for the pan and there'd be like a hundred of them all with their little bells all along the jet so clearly they were all catching them or they wouldn't be bothering coming so this this lake was absolutely rammed with different types of fish so i think if you were baiting up in advance you know that night whatever you put out however much you put out would just get rinsed by these catfish um so I don't think there was any mileage in it, but they were they were very nocturnal, and by spotting corn and like soupy stuff in the day, we could get takes. But there was this also this filamentous weed on the bottom, like about three or four inches high, and I think the pack bait was just present 
because it was about four inches high with a rig on top of it, I think it was just presenting it nicely above the weed so the fish could see it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and also where my friend had fished that area for two or three spots as well. So we, you know, we could put bait out on it and get their attraction straight away sort of thing. So it, it took a little bit of working it out because they're, they're not carp and they're different from carp. But, uh, you know, as a way of a change, mate, I loved it. You know, fantastic. Yeah, no, I can, I can believe it for sure. I can believe it. I mean, every year I keep saying that I'm going to do, I fancy the Nile perch for one um, mm. and I fancy lake trout as another one. But there's so many places I want to go carp fishing, whether I'll ever do it or not is a different matter altogether, really. But when you say lake trout, yeah, what do you mean? Uh, sorry, yeah, no, they're they're like a sort of um, a carnivorous type of trout. I mean, I guess in Ireland you'd call them ferox trout or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they grow massive. They grow. I think I've seen hundred pounder. Oh, uh, yeah, I think so. But a specimen would a big good quality specimen would be thirty or forty pound. Mm-hmm. They look like just like a giant trout. Um, crazy fish but they're a, they're a real cold water species so you've you've got to go way north to catch them yeah yeah oh, mate nice nice so you're like yeah the the usa sort of got a bit of got a bit of future uh for you well, for the fishing, I, I, I th- yeah i think it's got the whole sociable vibe around it as well you know um so i mean uh dale hollow's quite a famous one at the moment Steve mm-hmm. might even have talked about that. So you can hire like a, a pontoon boat and you just go out into the total wilderness, but with all the supplies you need, you know, so you're not slumming it at all. Um, and again, you're fishing for like really wild scale, scaly fish, you know, that probably never seen a hook before. Yeah. Um, I mean, we used to use crazy, crazy <clears throat> amounts of bait in, in the States. We would get through, um, we, we'd get through a, 500 kilo of maize in a week, easy. Wow. We'd, we'd buy two dinghies, fill one dinghy with maize, go over and turn it over. Um, and after five or six hours, you'd stop getting takes. And then you'd go out and you could see it all gone, you know, and you'd fill it up mm-hmm. again. But, but always, then, I bet in the States, like half a ton of maize probably isn't costing you a fortune, is it? No, no. Uh, so one year, we, we couldn't, the co op shop had shut um, that we used to go to, we couldn't get any sacks. So we drove up to a silo in, in a brand new car, like this PT Cruiser. I think it had about 50 miles on the clock. And uh, the bloke put the hose in, in the back through the boot and just spilled the car up, you know. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> literally when the mode started going under like the throttle pedal and stuff, you know, it's okay, stop now, mate. You know what I mean? But we're just, yeah. we're just sitting on 400 kilo of loose maze. Yeah, <laughs> golly. We, we ruined that car, yeah. <laughs> yeah, hire car, hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, it's but so they're, they're the memories, you know. You don't necessarily remember all the carp you caught, but you remember mm-hmm. the stupid, crazy things you did. You know, like everywhere we went on that trip, we had an inflatable tied on with lawnmower cable on the roof, and it ripped off all the paintwork on the car and everything. And when we took it back, we'd run out of money, and we had to push it into into the airport because we had no fuel left. You know. Uh-huh. It was, oh it's, like, it's weird isn't it over there like things like hire cars you just you get off the plane like at the airport and you basically you just walk out there mate 
and the keys are in the car. You just drive, sit in a car, decide on what one, and off you go. Like it's yeah, like nothing I've ever yeah. experienced before. You know, it's it, it's a different world. I mean, this. So we we was fishing this. Where I was talking about this power station, and this guy mm-hmm. came out and started shouting at us because we'd parked on his grass and stuff. And anyway, within a couple of days, we we was talking to him, you know, and he was coming out and sitting with us, having a cigarette and a beer of a night. And a couple of days later, he was like, "I'm off to work. There's the keys to my house. You know, use the shower. Um, use everything's unlocked. You know, there's cold beers in the fridge, like this." And we was going out there, and uh, he went off to fish for this bass competition um, and he had forgot his food and he ate, he caught and ate a five pound bass and it would have won the competition. It would have won him a boat and a trailer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but every, every time we went, we used to, I went many years in a row like, and we'd look up the same people and just the hospitality was crazy. Just go and knock on the door. Yeah, Jay, how you doing, man? Like, fucking wicked. I, I light the barbecue up, you know what I mean? Like, are you fishing tonight and stuff like that? Crazy. That's just it, man. Really, yeah, really good people. Yeah, happy days, the old tailgate or whatever, barbecue on the back of a truck. <laughs> no, mate, he used to just sling us, literally sling us his house keys when he went to work and go, like, just use my house, you know? It's like, oh, my God, you know, we're mucky, dirty carp fishermen, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, good good times. I, I meant to go back for, I don't know, it's probably 20 years last time we went, but and every year oh, we Christ. still go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we uh, we, we we did it. Um, we did it a lot. We did it to death, you know, and it was crazy. And literally mm-hmm. just fish, fished out the boot of the car. You know, the, the police would sometimes come and move you for camping because you can't camp. You have to be on a campsite. And, uh, you know, we'd just drive around and fish somewhere else. And everywhere we went, we caught. Like, it was it was wicked, mate. You know? but Yeah, yeah. Oh, mate, you were doing it. So, yeah, it's quite, it's quite in vogue now. Do you know what I mean? So you were doing it a long time before. Um... Oh, 100%. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and and the way we did it was also very different. But just thinking about it now, you know, there's more uh, to the states than just sort of you know the St Lawrence and the Ontonabe and the Trent Seven, mm-hmm. all of that. You know, there's there's all those giant reservoirs and things. And one of my friends now he's getting into a few sort of nice mirrors and stuff. So yeah, it's just doing a bit a bit of homework and a bit of looking around and. Say so beautiful places, you know. The least of your worries is someone fishing opposite you, shouting out for fishing in their water when you've got ten thousand acres to yourself, you know. Um, but you can't. You, there's, there's, a, you have other problems where people obviously don't understand carp fishing and using markers is hard. And one time we had a rods up, and these Vietnamese guys like deliberately took out all my mates' rod and he just respooled them all with braid and. Uh, you know, they caught up in his prop and we were pulling them in the boat. Literally, they thought they were going to be filleted for tea. But it's it's all gone in the memoirs, mate. It all makes more sense as well, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm always spending time looking to see where I can go next. And the list is just crazy. You know, I mean, there's there's no way. Um, I mean, Lake Bled, you know, we we, start, we, we were probably the first guys to go out there. Mm-hmm. Um and I think I, Alan read my chapters in the book. Um, I did two or three chapters in the second book about it. And yeah. he went out there and did the video. And now everyone wanted to go. And now the tickets are all sold out for the year and you yeah. can't go. But They've changed but then, it, haven't they, on the back of Eurobanks, haven't they? Yeah, but they're catching the same fish that we caught back then. But now they're 20 and 30 pound bigger, you know. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I do feel like I want to go back and just have one nice fish out of it, but it's a punishing place to fish. You know, it just kills you. Yeah. Mate, that's kind of, I think a lot of carp anglers on the back of Eurobanks want to go out there, but what an iconic place. Like just picturesque, absolutely beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, we went three times um, and like we were probably the only English people fishing it or that went there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, 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 again, it was a learning experience. So in those days, I've helped out a lot of people since, you know, because I don't think in those in the early days you could fish, you could catch fish without having corn, you know, um, possibly because it's so clear the fish were swimming off the bottom or, you know, a lot of the areas, probably three quarters of the lake is 90 foot deep, right? 30 meters. Yeah. So there's there's only so many places you can actually fish, so many areas you can actually fish. I mean, stalking's a very effective way. Or you fish like one of maybe five or six well-known swims that are, have got nice 10 to 12 meter depths. Um, but you in those days, you needed maize in, in the lake to catch the fish. Um and I made the mistake I wanted to catch the bigger fish. So it was boilies only and stuff. But the amount of people I put right and then they went over there and caught good fish. I mean, it was, uh, I feel like I've got a bit of bit of unfinished business there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the world, mate, it's, it's getting smaller all the time, you know? Yeah. Well, that goes to our conversation earlier, doesn't it, about America. You know what I'm saying? It's uh, it's sort of one of the, as far as cart fishing goes, it's it's relatively untapped isn't it yeah it is um i mean you know so we, we've been canada when they've had their their shooting matches you know and people spend a lot of money on their boats to go this carp shooting and you know obviously they hit the bigger fish because they're easier to hit and you know they're slower moving and stuff like that um and i think from the uk point of view you know they probably the market's dried up a little because they just don't get big enough. You know, you can go and catch, if you're in the right place, you can catch 20 or 30 pound commons all day long, you know, and they'll pull your arm off. It's great sport. But, you know, those big top weight fish just sort of aren't there. Um, But who's to say, you know, in some of the other places, these massive great deep reservoirs, you know, where the bow fishing doesn't come into play so much and, you know, they have the seasons on there and stuff. Who knows what could be there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Christ, like where I live down in Cornwall, like a 30 pound is a bit of a unicorn. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, it's all relative, isn't it? It's all relative. I mean, um, when I first got my lake, it was completely overgrown. You know, you, you, there wasn't any swims. You couldn't even get to the bank. You know, literally, we used to clear areas just to get to the bank. Um, and I bought it in February and it was just an eyesore. It was just hideous. But, you know, then I went back in sort of April and May and, you know, the buds on the trees and stuff were covering over all the ironworks and, you know, stuff floating around in the lakes. And it didn't look so bad, but the water was lovely and clear and you could see these fish in there, you know, like really long, scaly fish and black fish. And thinking, oh, my God, I didn't know any of these were in here. And that was so exciting, fishing for the unknown again, you know. Yeah. Um, and it is a little bit of that um, is what the pioneering days were like. Uh, going back to sort of the 80s you know so much of it was unknown and the excitement and magic of what was possible um mm-hmm. and a little bit of that has gone you know with the magazines and the names of the fish and targets and the social media and 
I mean, you read the books and there's some like the Yately fish, there was almost a 24-hour surveillance on them with mobile phones, people reporting where they were all the time, you know, literally hounding the fish. Um, it's sort of quite a long way away from the pioneering magic, if you know what I mean. But um, a lot of guys won't have ever felt that or ever know it. And and the original breed of carp anglers, now sort of the generation that are probably just ahead of me, are sort of dying out um, and taking it with them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm sure guys that are in the States and places like that, um, or Japan even, they're, they're now doing the pioneering stuff that we were doing 50 years ago. It's, it's a new growing sport. Yeah, no, no definitely, 100%. I so, mean, even the other countries, you know, your Croatias, your Bosnias and that, they've gone straight into commercial carping, um, 24-hour enduros, long-range casting, spodding, spomming, all, all, all of it. You know, I mean, they, they've missed out all that early development. And they've gone straight into a ready-made sport. So, you know, there's big fish out there, but not so much of the mystery. Yeah, I just find that weird, a lot of that. And you watch sort of like the World Cup Classic or whatever it is, these big competitions. And you like just like you said then, you see that. And it's like these guys who can cast sort of like 150 metres or something ridiculous. And it's sort of like, it feels like a lot of the, the magic's missing. Well, double spooling, mate. You know what I mean? Fishing like a, a kilometre out in the lake and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not my bag, you know. Um, fair, fair play to anyone who does it, anyone who likes it, anyone who's into all that. But I go carp fish. I, I don't like to be told where to go and when to do it and how to do it. Um, you know, I've got cuss fish the same like all their life, you know what I mean? And, and they go there to escape from their job escape the hassles just to relax mm-hmm. uh, and they just want a chance of having a bend in the rod you know um, and that's it and they enjoy that and there's nothing wrong with that you can you can only catch what's in front of you I mean I, I love traveling um, I, I went on some dating site the other day like just a, a free one on Facebook and some guy <laughs> put up so, no some guy put up like a massive list of countries he put how many countries have you been to I've been to five. And he had been to like Benidorm, Scotland and Wales. Um, and I and I was bored, so I counted it and I put 73, right? And put liar underneath. And I thought, what? You know what I mean? Like, you know, I like travel. I've been to 73 countries. I recounted it. It was 74. You know, it's like, oh, mate, seriously? Um, but if you can combine two things that you love, travel and fishing, where you can't go wrong, can you? No. No, happy days, you, happy you, days. Well, you can, you can. You can get arrested in the Ukraine for not having a visa. Um, there's all sorts of things you can do, but that's in the, also in the book if it ever comes out. That's it. No, the book's, the book's got to come out, mate. You've got to record it yourself, audio book. <laughs> we'll, we'll put it out to our podcast listeners. Um, Sam, you are back in the room. Before we like rein it in, obviously our, our listenership is massively bait-issued. Is there anything you sort of wanted to pick up on before we sort of round things up um are there any flavors jason that you can think of that like do you know what they're they're done we can't get those ingredients now we're not allowed to put them into production or they're not allowed in in our country or blah 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 blah, blah. is there any is there any classic flavors that we wouldn't be able to replicate closely do you think i don't i don't think so bro honestly really uh, yeah and i 
I certainly, I don't think the end result would be any different. Um, mm -hmm. I think it, it's, it's kind of, um, it, a lot of it's, like I said, it's nostalgia, you know, yeah. Pe people yeah. want to remember something from their past and, um, uh, there's probably a little bit of elitism, you know. I mean, I saw that little Jeff Kemp book, Kempestini's book of Bates, the other day. Yeah, yeah. Someone had paid hundred quid for it. It's like eight eight pages long, isn't it, or something like that? His yeah. catalogue. Yeah. Well, um, twelve is it? Is it twelve? Yeah, 12. and it's, and it's fuck sure, all basically. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's if I remember right, there's a picture in there of a tramp, and he's got his, his recipe <laughs> yeah. for horse pancreas boilers or something. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've not seen yeah. it in a long time. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, and I think like Lee Jackson had a recipe in there for peppermint boilers or something. Yeah. Um, but it, it's it's sort of that bit of history. I know people collect it; they collect it in the tackle and stuff. But as we said, with the tackle, you know. I personally wouldn't want to use something 30 years old because I, I keep buying new tackle all the time. Yeah. I enjoy using something yeah. that works better and, and is nicer and feels good. Um, you know, I, I got for a lot of rods in my time and of, and mostly it's because I can't go fishing enough, you know, <laughs> so I'm sitting at home bored and I just buy a new set of rods. Yeah. <laughs> so fair enough. So, so to carry on from that vein, you've said to me before, there's, there's 10 flavors that, if you could only use those for the rest of your days, you'd be more than happy. Are you able to tell us what those 10 flavors are? Right, that's a challenge, isn't it? Yeah, it uh, is. Okay, so... I'm counting on the fact you've had quite a lot of brandy, so you're going to be loose-lipped. <laughs> well, I think we've probably mentioned most of them, so I mean, Ultra Spice is right at the top of the yeah. thing. Um, so the Green Zing has obviously been a massive thing in my life where... Yeah, Pete's favourite. Yeah. I've, I've adapted it, and mixed it into a plum on a similar bait. It's actually a diacetin base, which is quite an unusual base. Uh, oh, I said it. Did you? Sorry, did you say yeah. pink zing or or green zing? Green zing. Green zing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I, I call that plum zing. I've made that. Yeah. For like ten years. So that that's been a big thing in my life. Um, the the other spice that I would have is the one. It's called sweet apple spice, or I called it M MB two, which again is is one of my own recipes. Um, I still have some of the flavour, but Bob had um, Bob had the recipe on his computer, and for some reason, Plant X can't find it. So, do you have the original Tutti recipe? I do. Yeah. Do you, could well, it be? Still... I, I, I believe it is. Um, I've I've had it on my database for probably. 20 years um and i it was i was told it was, i've got about five or six different tooties on there and they are they do vary quite a lot and yeah they vary quite a lot in boiling temperatures and viscosity um but yeah i would say it was it was it was the one that bob used to make anyway and could it be made exactly the same as it once was i i'm pretty sure it more or less is to be honest like, like you said, you know, I mean, it, it's properly astringent. It will take your breath away. You know, yeah. if you inhale it, you know, it will be like mm. deeply, it will be choking mm. you for, for a minute or so afterwards. But, but uh, many flavors could do that, couldn't they? To be fair. Yeah, they could. Um, no, no one's missing out on any magic, put it that way. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's as good as it gets. I'd, I'd be happy to use it um, as, long, as long as it's, you know, one of those versions. 
Mm. I mean, a lot of these users, they, they don't even understand it's an oil flavor. I mean, one guy was saying to me that he was, he was mixing it um, with tangerine oil palatant and he, he couldn't get that. it to roll and he couldn't understand why. And I said, well, you've got, you've got 30 yeah. mils of oil, like, you know, in your bait. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, what yeah, you mean. Yeah. He goes, no, yeah. I haven't, you know, I've got, I've got the bulk oil. I've got the oil flavor and I've, and I've got the tooty flavor. And I said, well, the tooty flavor is an oil, mate. You know, it's all oil. And he didn't even, he didn't even realize that, you know? I tell you what though, that, for me anyway, that tangerine oil palatant, that was a fucking good flavor for me. Very good. Um, well, it's it's probably 75% pure orange oil. Pure, pure orange oil. Essential oil. oil. Um, no, just like a, a pure a pure oil. Um, then it has some mandarin oil um, and, a, and a few other things. Um, so, I mean, most of it is, is just like a pure liquid. I mean... It's good as it is. There used to be a lime oil as well, which was quite good on its own. But again, not something that's desperately appealing to anglers, right? You know, a bit like that coconut thing. Yeah, lime essential oil is a good one. Um, Orange oil, orange essential oil is very good. We've spoken about that extensively on previous podcasts. Um, And tangerine essential oil, that is one of the best citrus-based oils I've ever uh, ever tested. The, the tangerine essential oil. Yeah, they're not nasty. They're not nasty smells that will get you in trouble either, are they? They're not. They're they're woman friendly. But do you know what? I've I've got that under control. Uh, <laughs> I've got. <laughs> I'm a lucky boy. I'm a very lucky boy. But yeah, yeah. Interesting. I mean, talking of in- essential oils, you. I mean, you didn't say it, but I kind of got from how you were talking that you don't you don't spend much time on essential oils. Is, is that true? And if it is true, why is that? Well, a lot of, um, a lot of the flavor recipes do have essential oils. Yeah. in them. In, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it's in small levels, you know, um, like they will be very small levels. Um, no, I like them. I mean, Hutchie used to do one called spring blossom. Um, I got, I've got no idea where it is. I'm, I mean, I'm racking my memory now back sort of 30 years. Um, and I used to mix that with like a watermelon flavor of all things. And that was like a really nice fresh bait. And, um, you know, you, you can, you can remember what it smelled like because used it for a long time and caught some nice fish on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that red carpy was one I really loved, but having smelt it in my flat for the last three days, I'm getting quite sick of it quite quickly now. So where um, does that, where does that name come from? Red carpy? Cause to was, me, uh, that makes sense. It was a Duncan K thing yeah 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 but where's so, the red come from um the red it's a red dye pure and simple yeah red See, dye well, the, the flavor that i had from from that was not it wasn't red it was like a yellowy type of thing i believe um there was all sorts so yeah. i think he, he did he what his boilies i think they were called purple patch weren't they um so he, he did that a range was, of no, that was a Gary Bay's thing, Purple Patch, wasn't it? No, no, no. That was much, much later. The original Did, Purple Patch. I, see, I'm younger than you, mate. Yeah. So we're we're pro- I'm probably experiencing things that have been reinvented. Rehashed. Yeah. 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 No, pur- purple Patch was um so the, the when the Crafty Catcher boilies came out, um, I believe they also made a range for Duncan, which were called Duncan K Purple Patch boilies. And right. he also did carp tracks um 
which were powdered additives and carp slimes, which were like pastes. For, um, yeah. So for a while, there, there was a Nash bait called Purple Patch, but I don't, you yeah. didn't ever produce it, did you? Uh, it, they were actually doing it while I was there. Yeah. Um, that was it like was, a, it was, was a purple off- colored bait, wasn't it? Yeah, but you didn't. You never sold it, did you, to the to the public? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I mean, Gary had made some very very nice recipes there as well, which never came out to the public. Um, you know, and the uh, let's be honest, the the, the Nash base mixes sometimes would have like twenty or two dozen powders in them. Some of them would be quite quite complex. You know, um, I mean, the instant attraction stuff. I used to call that play doh. Right. I. I I, I received no sort of gratification from making trays and trays of that or overseeing trays of it. Just had no interest in it. Mm. You know, and I, I don't doubt it caught fish, but um, it was a, a cheaper mate for the, for the mass market. Um, but I mean, there was some very, very good ideas that never saw the light of day um, and some quite complex baits, you know. Uh, was the Nash sort of the amber strawberry was that was that one of your sort of baits did you have a lot of input on that no. I believe, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the original bait the original amber trap base mix is sean harrison's i think yeah he's he said yeah, that we, on the podcast we, we, sp- yeah. we spoke about that yeah, yeah. I, i'm sure i've spoken to sean about that as well um and i think the amber strawberry was um jim shelley's input Okay. The, the white color and the strawberry yeah, combination. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought that was that was something to do with you. I must be yeah completely on the wrong sort of. Path um, well, the the first sort of bait I did was like a um, a spin off of that, um, and we we put the acids in that. <clears throat> that. That was like probably the first sort of commercial bait I started doing really. That wasn't just sort of from my from, from my friends. You know, the first mass produced bait was that sort of amber strawberry. Um, but it, it was it was tweaked a little bit. It wasn't. It it was a bit different from sort of how it came out. Do you do you use essential oils much, Sean? Or, uh, sorry, Jason, or not? Uh, I've, over over the course of forty years, I've probably been through all of them. Um, do you hold much weight in them now, or not? Not not massively. Um, I've, I've, yeah, honestly. Um, so I, I've got one pop-up that I make, which is, it's a little bit of tutti. It's mainly the plumsing and it's got a little bit of buku in it. Um, and they're my sort of go-to pop-ups. Um, I've got another one, which I used to call Cambridge specials, which is a mix uh, of basil oil and black pepper. And, and they're like in a dark brown. And again, they're a, a sort of go-to blank saver type bait um, that are always in my thing. Um, but it tends it tends to be more in sort of pop-ups or attraction baits, really, rather than bottom baits, you know? Yeah, interesting. I mean, you mentioned Buchu. There's a few different variants. Well, actually, there's quite a few different variants of that. Which are you using? Do you, well, do you go into depth of, of different types or, or is the... Well, they vary, they vary enormously depending on who you buy them off, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've got accounts with Sigma Aldridge and companies like that, so I, I go straight to the, the direct source and buy the proper stuff off the proper people in all cases um, rather than your eBay sellers. But 
I mean, a friend of mine, Mickey, who does Galaxy Bait, he, he was involved with Shaggy when he did Darren and he bought the company off him mm. and he carried it on as Galaxy Bait. So the original formulation of carp fishing with Buku go, goes back to him, you know, and he still uses those same recipes as they were. Um, but again, it's, it's just completing a profile and something that just seems right to you. You know, that particular pop-up, I've been using it for 20 years. You know, oh. and I just pick it up and I've got a bit of confidence in it straight away. Um, they're, they're part of the jigsaw, mate. I, I, honestly, I, I don't see, see them as being radical game changers. Yes, it, it fascinates me. It, I mean, you get such different opinions, don't you? For well, like, I'm, I'm, the pretty thing is... a, I'm pretty much a maverick in my thoughts. And I, I, I don't really ever talk to anyone else about bait. Yeah. Uh, because I don't go on the forums because it just involves loads and loads of questions and punishment. If you like, um, I only fish either out of the way or with my own mates. So, but what it does is it sort of keeps your head pure. If you like, it stops you, you, yeah, it stops, you're singing yeah. the choir. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, stop, it stops you being yeah. influenced by other people. If someone says to, to you, like, you know, is it like sell? Well, do you know what? It was probably five or six years before I'd even seen a cell boiling. Yeah. Right. Why would I ever see one? You know what I mean? Unless I looked in a tackle shop and then they'd be frozen. Um, you just don't come into contact with other bait. But the one of the things that which is absolutely massive for me at the moment, absolutely huge is fats and lipids. Um, so um, if, if you read into it, um, you know, the Krispy Kreme donuts. Yeah. Yeah. You see them as you walk into any supermarket, they're sitting there straight in your eye all the different colours, all the different flavours. Um, okay. so, so the boring glazed one, you know, no colour, um, no, I don't think, just a normal glazed donut. They sell twice as much of that as all the others put together. And the reason being is it is scientifically matched out to be 50% fat to 50% sugar ratio. And that is that is the perfect, um, if, if you like, thing for sort of... Um, Oh, I don't, I don't know. Human addiction to food, if you like. You know what I mean? That is the perfect ratio to make you want it. Um, now, again, fish, can if they can identify protein, they, they can identify calories for sure. You know, energy, energy 100% comes from good fats and oils rather yeah, than carbohydrate because it, it's it so much easier to process. Yeah. Yeah, but we've got to un unpack that because are you saying that carp can detect calories possibly yeah but 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 a cal what is a, a calorie is a man-made mathematical equation of, of an energy, the rate of a, unit, a unit of energy yeah yeah so, I mean, high, high calorie it's, not, it's, it's not a compound it's not a one thing no. so i mean so going back to the plumping up thing yeah so um okay not a very nice thought but you've got a dying child starving to death yeah. You put a sachet of plumpy nut in them, they come back to life. Now, if someone's used all your plumpy nut in cart baits and they switched it for little bags of spinach and you pump a bag of spinach in that kid's mouth, and you know, I'm afraid that's going to be the. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't be good for them, would it? Fair enough, mate. Um, you mentioned you didn't want to tell us too much about the shelf lives. Um, because you shared the recipes with Jeff. Are you on about Jeff Bowers? Yeah. 
Does he do shelfies? Does he? Um, he does. He, he's fuck me. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, he does. He's less enthusiastic about it than me, but um, yeah. it, it depends how you catch him. Do you know what I mean? I've I've, I've known Jeff many, many, many years, um, and you know we we hit it off. But you know he he, he he's very careful who his friends are. If I mean, I always said Hutchinson should be a millionaire, and he should have been, but Jeff should have been as well. You know, but Jeff just unfortunately he he doesn't tolerate people at all. You know he. He just basically tells them to fuck off when he gets bored of them. <laughs> Have you spent much time with him? Oh, I spent loads of time with him. Yeah, we've got a few stories like, you know, been fishing and stuff together and what have you. But I mean, a bloke was ringing up uh, not long back and he was saying, Do you do like ABS for less? And he's like, What are you talking about, mate? And he's gone, Oh, Nutribates do a thing called Nutribates for less where they mix it with 50 50 mix and sell it like for less money. And he, he said, "You need to just fuck <laughs> off." He said, "You need to just fuck off, mate. Like, fuck off now." <laughs> and, uh, um, and then there was, there was another bloke. He was moaning about the baits being too soft, and he couldn't get them out. And he said, "Don't worry, mate. I'll sort you right out. I'll send you something out in the post." And he hung up the phone, and he got a spom off the shelf, and he threw it at Paul, and he said, "Stick that to Noddy in the post, and don't send him any more bait." You know, <laughs> but that's that's what he's like, mate. He's 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 vicious. Well, he sports Tottenham, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> says it all, does it? Oh, Obviously, so. you're an Arsenal fan, mate. Yeah. No, fuck no. Fuck all no. right, all right. Steady um, on. No. <laughs> I sport Cambridge United. That doesn't upset anyone. Mm-mm. Yeah. Other than me, forty years Jesus. of suffrage. Are they still playing football, mate? In lockdown? Yeah, we're we're doing all right this year. <laughs> top of the uh, we're up the top, mate. Top of the league too. Yeah, I'm mocking you. I'm mocking you. No, no, no. It's thin pickings. You know what I mean? We had a, a nice little time between about 1990 and 92, but the rest of it's generally been quite hard work. No, for yeah. sure, for sure. i got no idea what you're on about. I don't follow football. Yeah, it's uh, like they, they kick a ball around me, like leather. I think it's a fucking girls' game, to be honest with you. Um, Do you like cricket? You've, you've uh, got cricket, you've got to love it. I mean, I, no. I was... I was no. I was brought, brought up around it. I, I started off in like professional cricket, and you know, if someone's upset you, hitting them around the face with five and a half ounce of leather at ninety mile an hour, mm. God, it's a good, it's a good way of settling a few debts. I tell you, yeah. I don't know, mate. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I boxing. I like. I'm. I'm into my boxing. I'm into my MMA. That they're, they're oh, the only two that sports settles, that settles the debt a little bit quicker. I must admit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Who's the best heavyweight then? What, uh, boxer or MMA? Uh, Fury, 100%. Who box? Are you on about boxer or MMA? Uh, boxing. Do you know what? At the mi- it depends. You know, when, he- when are you taking this? Dire- At the minute, I honestly think Tyson Fury is going to be really fucking hard to beat. Like, obviously, Anthony Joshua, he's got a puncher's chance, which, which a puncher always has a puncher's chance. At the minute, at the current minute, um, I think, yeah, Tyson Fury is going to be a real problem for anyone. The, the odds are certainly stacked in his favour against anyone, anyone yeah, the, the at the thing minute. That I, the thing that I can't get my head around, in that first fight with Wilder, when he knocked him on the ground and his eyes were in the back of his head and he, was, yeah. he wasn't he was even in his body, and then 
five seconds later, he was up on his feet in his fighting stance. And I'm thinking, how can that even be a thing? You know, how can you go from being unconscious catatonic to standing on your feet ready to get on with it? Um, it, it yeah, I mean, yeah. Is he, he on the run, gear? Still? He runs off different juice. He, yeah, no, is, like, he running, without, is he running right. on Colombian juice? That's what I'm thinking. You can't, mate. Not in not no. in modern day sort no. of sports like that. No. You can't get away no. with it. You you have different um, producers and people. He he's he's so fucking big, which is what confuses people. Mm. But he's quick. You look at how quick he is, and and you think, you know, how much effort must it take to move such big long limbs so quickly? And then you think of what's moving those limbs. It's the tendons and and the ratio of the 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 ligaments to the tendons to the length of the the uh, bone that it's moving. It's crazy stuff. So I mean. Yeah. You look at that kind of thing, and and yeah, he's definitely unique as as far as yeah, mate, goes. Mate, made a different stuff. I mean, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you ever did you ever see Mo Farah when he was on the Cube when he was on that TV show? No, no. But that that was kind of crazy. So no one, have you ever seen that program? I, I've heard of it, but I've not watched. Yeah, it. so they go into like this transparent cube thing, and they have all these challenges, and you have to go walk through lasers and throw things and do what shit. Anyway, if you have nine lives um, to win a million pounds and no one's ever done it. Um, and then Mo Farah went on there. And not only did he do it, he didn't even lose a single life in doing it. It was just phenomenal. Every game, he just aced it. Like, just like that. Just made it look easy. And you're thinking, fucking hell, everything about that bloke, he's just made of different stuff, you know, has different yeah. abilities. Yeah. Superhuman. Mm. like what gets me a tyson is he he's got <clears throat> first of all he's got like the mind game things like he's a jippo and he's got a jippo's <laughs> mouth do you know what i mean and that's that's the truth though and he he has mate and like the mind games he has over people are just unique and i think that's unique to him because of number one he's got the size and the ability like sam was saying to move um i, I like fury i really do i like joshua a lot like i really like <laughs> When Joshua I, first started, I quite like um, I quite like Dillian White as well, but that guy mm -hmm. caught him with a good one in the last fight, didn't he? Povetkin, yeah, knocked him yeah. straight out. Mm -hmm. That was that was some punch. Yeah, White's. I feel sorry for him, mate, because he's on the same promoter Eddie Hearn as Joshua, and he sort of gets a bum deal, doesn't he? He's not the yeah. the mega fighter, but yeah, he's got talent for sure. I think like he'd do a number on um. I thought he'd come on a Wilder. lot, and I thought he'd—I thought he'd improved. Uh, yeah, I think I think he'd beat Wilder, mate, in a fight. I really do. Yeah. No, it's interesting for once. Anyway, you know, it's that's good. I love it, mate. I do enjoy my boxing. But cricket. You're a... <laughs> cricket. <laughs> Sam loves cricket. He can't get enough of it, mate. Is that a good time to sort of round things up, do you think? I think we probably should. We're, how, how have you done with your drink, Jason? Have you have you drunk much? Yeah, to be honest, it's not bad once you get going on it. Um, like, it'll probably stay at that level for a while, you know what I mean, unless someone else comes around. But <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've had a few glasses tonight and it's been all right, to be fair. Are you pissed um, or not? Um, Probably quite merry. Yeah. 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 So, so these secrets that you you said you were going to tell us. Fuck you know. 
Do you, do, you, do you want to leave us with anything, mate? Is there, is there anything that we've spoken about that actually you think you should build upon or anything else you want to, you know, leave us with? Um, no, not, not unless you can think of something. No, uh, we, I mean, it's, the podcast was unfortunate for the, for the listeners. I mean, my audio kept dropping out we had to keep re-splicing it. Um, but no, I mean, we, I think we covered a lot. It was, it was messy as it always is with these podcasts. Um, particularly when we get a guest on for the first time, just because generally, you know, they've got so much to, to share and you naturally go down so many different rabbit holes, mm-hmm. don't you? Um, rather than sticking with one thing, but I know, I think we covered a lot. Um, I guarantee we will be messaged, you know, for, for weeks on end after this gets released, um, out of the different subjects that you've raised and, it's always hard for us to realize, and this is a good point to bring up for the listener, actually, when we're talking to the, to our guests and, and, you know, quizzing them on different things, it's a different experience when you listen back to it. So when you guys listen back, you're like, Oh, why didn't you ask them about this? Or why didn't you ask them about that? But where it's like, when you're in the moment, you just letting the conversation flow and it just feels a little bit different when you listen back. So Jason, we'll get so many questions about this. Um, Unfortunately, you probably will as well, mate. I'm sorry about that. Uh, you'll no, probably have people so message so out, yeah, reach out to you and, and things like that. But um, no, it's it's been it's been a hell of a lot of fun, and uh, you've um, you've definitely got a very unique perspective and understanding <laughs> of um, carp bait, which which me and Pete don't have. So it's it's always fascinating speaking to, to someone like it's, yourself. It, it's quite it's quite insular really you know yeah. uh, i mean sort of working with with gary for a couple of years was interesting yeah. um, but i would i would find myself disagreeing vehement with him quite often to the point where you know he might sit on a forklift truck with a right ass for about three hours um <laughs> and we would sort of brush up. I, I mean things like um you know, we would say, how, how far away do you think a carp can detect a bait in the water from? And Gary would say something like sort of one one to two acres. And I'm what? thinking, what? And I'm thinking, like, no I'm, way. And, he, and he's saying, what, what are you thinking? I'm thinking like one to two meters. Yeah. Mm. Um, mm. And often visually before, like through reception, um, and I'm I just thinking, like, I, I can't understand how he thinks that. You know what I mean? It, it Literally, if it was in the middle of the pit and you had people with bait around the thing, it, it would be mental. Do you know what I mean? You wouldn't just be hearing all the radio. You should have the fucking TVs and computers and iPods. And yeah, everything like yeah. Um, and, like, so there were certain things we, we just couldn't agree on. You know what I mean? And he didn't, like, disagreeing with people. So you just had to sort of learn to sort of live with it and stuff, you know. But um, equally, you know, the, the guy also has a fantastic knowledge on different things um, and different aspects of it. So, but I, I like doing my own thing. You know what I mean? I, I, I do. I just, I can sort of square something away in my own head or, but sometimes having a bit of input from someone as well helps as well, you know. Yeah, 100%. And this is the thing, there's no there's no conclusion is there you know it's it's, it's pure fucking speculation yeah, there's, there's, there's no conclusion there. it's speculation but when 
when you're on the bank, right, and your album's filling up, and you then you and you know you're right about something, it feels quite nice. Hundred like, percent. Yeah. There we go. That would do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Did Did you find, you know, working alongside Gary, who I mean. I mean, he's been quite a prevalent force in, in the bait industry, isn't he, for a while? Um, well, did, yeah. Did... He, so Gary learned a lot, obviously, from Hutchie, because yep. uh, like when they yeah. were, when Hutchie was in the prime of his bait making. and um, The switch from Catcham, wasn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, he, he was he was there throughout that. Um, well, I was there, Keith Sykes was there, obviously, as well who's uh, probably forgotten more than most people know anyway. A hundred percent, yeah. But uh, again, you know, Keith was one of my bait heroes growing up, but I found myself disagreeing on a few ingredients and things with him, you know what I mean? And who knows who's right and who isn't? Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of sort of my heroes growing up, really, as it turns out, were drug drug addicts and winos and <laughs> yeah, all yeah. 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 You know, which, yeah. which probably <laughs> explains a lot as what my wife would tell you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, cl- close to uh, close to creativity is insanity, right? Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. I mean, he, he, even going back to the 90s, he, when he was Cotswold Bakes, they had some like wicked products that were. They were the. Yeah. Well time. Yeah. The milk palatin. Can, can you get anything anything similar to that now? I don't think you can. Um, well, you you obviously you can put any liquid flavor onto um, onto powder. So stringers do one. It's a spalton animal flavor. It's called milk cream. Um, mm. So that's that's very nice. It's very smooth and very strong, um, and that that will put a nice creamy edge on anything. Um, most people use those pan cosmo things, but they're just a bit harsh, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Which which one was that you just said? Not the harsh one. The the uh, str- uh, meal cream. It's a it's a stringer flavour. They're in Stevenage, mm-hmm. um, and they're called the range is called Spout and Animal Flavours, Animal yeah. Palatins. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Is that is that for the calf industry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but. You know, there's a, they've got a couple of really nice ones as well. I use, um, I use their fenu. It's called fenu blend. Um, it's a mixture of fenu Greek, olive resin, and flavors and fennel as well. Yeah, uh, that, that's a really nice, strong one. Fenu Greek's another fucking awesome attractor, isn't it? Yeah, well, fennel in its various guises as well. You know, we used yeah, to, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We used to ferment the bulbs like for enzymes and stuff like that. once upon a time yeah good stuff jason it's been an absolute fucking pleasure talking to you i'm been really good i feel like we've we haven't even scratched the surface um with your knowledge so if you ever fancy coming on for a part two i i know me and pete would love it i'm i'm sure that our guests would love it as well so yeah yeah, open open invitation for you well perhaps uh, at some time then i'll send you that um e-file um, and you can have a look through the bait chapters in there and see if any of that floats your boat at all. Mate, sure. s- yeah, send us the e-file. I'll give you our email or whatever. And um, yeah, you mentioned about the Ultra Spice. I will, I'll be buying some of that off you if it's for sale. That's for sure. Um, I, 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 
I could I could square away some of it for sure. Yeah, yeah. seriously, though, mate. I, I mean, I, I can edit this out, but um, yeah, I'll buy some. <laughs> I, I will. I will definitely buy some off that. Um, I'm very interested. From what I've read, Ultra Spice was the one for Rod Hutchinson in the winter, um, and it sounded like he he loved that. He loved um, the crab and and the old. I mean, chocolate malt, which is a fucking classic. Absolute classic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Terry, Terry um, used to like chocolate malt, didn't he? And uh, Terry Hearn. Terry Hearn. Yeah. Okay. Now, I mean, have you have you ever talked to Terry about bait at all? Never. No. Never. Never. Spoke. Right. Never no, met him. So, so probably like most people, he's put his name to sort of some ready made and. It just puts his name to things. Yeah, and exactly. To go. Yeah, but yeah. The guy's actually got an absolutely fantastic knowledge of bait. Do you um, reckon? And he, yeah, 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 for sure. Right. Uh, I, I've talked to him. Um, I've had a few conversations with him, and he, he really, he really knows his shit. Um, but he does. It's not something he goes into print about or talks about. And I guess it's because of the deals he's got. Um, but he, he, he really, he has got a good knowledge, Terry. Yeah, it's nice he's, to hear. That is nice to quite, hear. He's quite meticulous as well about the bait he uses and um, and who makes it and how he makes it and stuff. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I didn't <clears throat> see that coming. No, 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 for sure. It caught me out a little bit as well, but um, he absolutely he's on point with all of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's easy to get an idea of what you think someone is, <clears throat> but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to judge quick, isn't it? Um, That's it. Um, before before we round things up, Jace, how um, how how do our listeners sort of find you? Are you um, on social media or? Okay, so on Instagram, uh, my private page is Carping Journeys, and. On there, I also have a page for the lake, which is Lac Jublero. Um, Facebook, a private page. Also, there's groups um, and page for Lac Jublero. And there's also um, an A-Bait page as well. Um, and the websites are the abait.com and ldbcarp.com. Mm-hmm. Um I'm I'm actually a bit of a social media whore to be honest, um, but then that that comes that comes from working night shifts as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, so, sell it, mate. Sell it. <laughs> yeah. Anyone that messaged me, I generally get back to them. Hey, good, good. And I think you'll probably you'll probably find you'll get a few of our listeners sort of in touch. And uh, I know we've had that in the past with with guys who who sell bait and actually quite a few of our listeners sort of get in touch and are interested in what they have to say and what they're doing. So hopefully you get a few sort of guys interested from, from what we've chatted about tonight. Sweet bro. Well, enjoyed it anyway. So it's, uh, like I say, I'm always happy chewing a bit of fat or anything carpy. That's it. Yeah. Obviously we, we focus a lot on flavors tonight. Um, I mean, obviously, Jason knows about the the full makeup. I mean, flavors are such a small percentage, uh, and actually, for a lot of people, myself included, they're they actually make up a small percent of the effectiveness of a bait. 
Um, so perhaps we can get Jason on again. Um, he's certainly someone that you could listen to until the cows come home and you'd constantly learn something new. So yeah, thank you, Jason. Really appreciate you coming on. No Maybe worries, you'll Bob. come back for a part two. Um, yeah, fuck yeah, nice. Yes, yes, thank you, mate. Anytime, anytime. Yeah, I appreciate if it. You, actually... If you had, if you had smell of vision, um, you would be getting uh, some of it through my bachelor flat as well. <laughs> What we what would we what would be what would be me be smelling? Oh mate, red um red carpet red carpet all day long. Red carpet. Yeah. Man, I'm so I'm fucking pissed. I've had a lot of drink. I've had what would me be smelling? Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> the year, I'm looking at my gym bottle. Mostly today, mostly this week, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've got like five mil left of this gin. I'm shit faced. Mate, I'm and, the uh, same.